Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode 205 of Waiting in the Sky with TJ Starman. I am so excited about this one because we are pretty much talking all video games in some way, shape or form today. Uh, We are going to be talking about uh, video game movies um, hot off the heels of Sonic 2, um, really just trying to break down what is the magic formula for making a good video game movie. Um, so to have that conversation, I brought back Aaron Winston to um, talk through the do's and don'ts of making a video game movie. Um, so you will recognize him from the Sonic 2 review that just posted this last Monday, as well as the Uncharted review an uncharted conversation that we had um, in an earlier episode. So super excited for that. Um, I am also going to be joined by silver from the uh, star Wars thrifting YouTube channel. Um, she also co-hosts uh, into the garbage shoot podcast um, talking about star Wars. Um, and she's going to talk to me about Lego star Wars, and we're going to share kind of our experiences with the game so far, um, came out last week. And so I've had a chance to play it a little bit. I've been enjoying myself, uh, for the most part. So going to be a, a great opportunity to talk about star Wars, which I can't believe I've not done yet, um, to this point. And, uh, speaking of star Wars, uh, we are recording this on Sunday, April 10th and some Really big news, uh, in my opinion, dropped early this morning, and uh, that is the reveal of um, a couple of new Kingdom Hearts projects on the horizon. Um, So most notably, Kingdom Hearts 4 has been confirmed as in development. We saw uh, some really early gameplay um, and some cutscene footage as well. Um, So really a lot to kind of break down from just a little bit that we got to see in that. And I mentioned Star Wars because there's already um, theorizing going on that you can see um, Endor and you can see uh, an AT-AT in like just a very quick frame of this trailer. Um, so that's something that people have been theorizing about forever is Kingdom Hearts, obviously owned by Disney. Once Disney purchased the rights to Star Wars, was okay realistically if they wanted to put star wars in a kingdom hearts game they can do it so maybe kingdom hearts 4 is when it actually takes place um and then the natural uh kind of partner theory with that is we could be seeing marvel in kingdom hearts 4 which would just make my mind explode at that point so (laughs) i'm kind of here for it i i hope they can do that in a way that makes sense or at least makes sense by kingdom hearts standards which is a pretty low bar um but i am gonna be so excited over the next eight years until kingdom hearts 4 releases um so it's just something that's gonna constantly be on my radar until it drops because it just looks crazy there is a significant leap even from kingdom hearts 3 in the visuals that we've seen um we kind of see Sora in just an entirely new environment that is very realistic. It looks like the real world. Um, so no more clown shoes uh, for Sora running around in actual, you know, human sized shoes um, and just running up the sides of real skyscrapers while like there's like, I don't know, Nissan's cruising around on the street and a giant heartless is, is fighting him. Uh, looks amazing. I'm super excited about it, but you know, that's enough about me ranting 
about one of my passions. Uh, now is the segment that we do every week um, that allows my audio partner, Richard, to share something he's passionate about. And uh, we obviously call this the dick pick. So, Richard, what do you have for us this week? Well, it's a pretty good week, and especially since you're talking about video games, because at these last Grammys, a video game song, or better yet, a cover of a video game song, actually won a Grammy. And that's some pretty important news for people that are really big on video game music. Um, it was the 8-Bit Big Band. They did an arrangement of Meta Knight's Revenge from Kirby Superstar, and it actually won Grammy for Best Arrangement. And it was great because, uh, first of all, the guys who arranged this are just pure alpha chads because when they won this award, they played the theme song from Austin Powers, and that's what they walked onto the stage to. So that's, that's <laughs> fantastic right there. But also, these guys have been arranging for a really long time, and it's just good that they're finally getting some recognition. And honestly, I think this could really open the door to a lot of video game musicians or musicians that like to cover songs from video games. The, the door is open for them to get some recognition, too, and I think it's absolutely fantastic, especially as someone who does audio work for games and does covers of songs from games, primarily like for their for their bread and butter i mean that's how i make my money other than my daytime job yeah yeah that's it, this is pretty huge because exactly what you're saying it, it has the opportunity to really open the floodgates and really get that well-deserved recognition for the genre as a whole because you know you and i have had conversations in the past even just before recording this about how um series like i think uh, i think of zelda and i think of final fantasy um, as like two of my favorite um, series that that have just outstanding music and have had outstanding music really since their inception, uh, you know, going back to the 80s. And so it's not that video game music has gotten better to the point where it's deserving of this recognition. It's just that it finally happened, like it kind of, you know, smashed through that glass ceiling, so to speak. And and hopefully like you said, um, it's something that continues because there is a lot of really great, amazing work that's being done that deserves the attention for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, n not only that, but I mean, th think about the people that have been writing this music. I mean, they've been kind of I'm not going to say they've been living in the shadows of popular musicians, but outside of their niche, they're not really widely recognized i mean we're talking about people like koji kondo uh, yasunori mitsuda juni shikawa who wrote the song that just won a grammy i mean it's nice that the doors like are really opening up wider for people to realize hey you know the guys who made this music they're all right because there's only like the one or two big ones that people know about. And that's like the guy who made the Mario theme. But that's what they refer to him as, as the guy who made the Mario theme. They don't even know his name. They don't know what influenced him. They don't know what other stuff he's done throughout his career. And hopefully this gives people, makes people start to think about, hmm, I wonder how these guys got to this point and what influenced them. Because that right there is like a whole other discussion that could fill up like another four hour podcast like the final fantasy one yeah yeah absolutely and it, it i think the best comparison is is the way that music for film has been recognized and appreciated over the years because you know there's really not much of a difference you're still you're scoring a you know a piece of media and, and 
incorporating sometimes um, soundtracks into this project in a way that's going to um, add to it. It's going to better immerse the player into the experience, which is, um, I think, a, a really huge daunting task. Um, and so it's something that, com- to your point, composers and musicians have been just doing an amazing job of for the longest time without really um, the the credit that they deserve for that because there really just hasn't been that um, system in place where it's acceptable. So um, with this with this happening with the recognition on the Grammys, uh, probably the you know the the brightest stage um, of music is, is hopefully this is setting the tone that um, a lot of the people like the names you mentioned are, are going to be getting more and more of that treatment that we see, you know, film composers, uh, you know, John Williams, Danny Elfman, like we, we can name film composers. You can recognize their names better than you can game composers, I would say for the most part. And so it, maybe we get more of a shift. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I think it's kind of a slap in the face to the people that do make the music for these interactive mediums, because it's like you said, with an interactive media, it's you got to make that music like really match up with the moment to really have an impact on the player. And honestly, you know that these people did it because even years down the road, there were people that played these games when they were like 10 or 11 and they can still tell you note for note what that song is. Yep, absolutely. I think uh, probably the next cover has to come from Donkey Kong Country uh, in my book. I think that that needs to be the next cover to get some Grammy recognition. Honestly, David Weiss put in some really good work there. I know there's a few other people that were involved. I know Robin Beanland was involved. Evelyn Fisher. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. Well, 1 and 2, they were pretty good. Um, <laughs> like Donkey Kong 64, Banjo-Kazooie, I mean, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is honestly top tier for me. That's the one. And it's got such an interesting story behind it, too, because uh, Yasunori Mitsuda signed on to Square Enix and he was like, come on, guys, let me do something. I want to make music for a game. Let me make music for a game. They're like, all right, you have Chrono Trigger. You have to score the entire game in a very short time span. Get to it. And this man worked so hard, he developed stomach ulcers and ended up being hospitalized. And Nobuo Uematsu of Final Fantasy fame actually had to come in on a song or two to actually finish it out. And it was hard, but it paid off for Yasunori Mitsuda because he recently has been uh, doing stuff with Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross music. I recently just had a Blu-ray imported from Japan of the Chrono Cross concert tour, and it's fantastic. Like, it's fantastic that these guys, even years later, are able to put on concerts for this kind of music that people still relate to and are kind of nostalgic for. And honestly, I think it's kind of crappy that people recognize film composers more, especially if you want to really go down the rabbit hole. People like John Williams and Hans Zimmer, because John Williams ripped off a lot of his motifs from Wagner and Hans Zimmer orders, uh, gets interns to write 90% of his stuff now. And then he slaps his name on of it on it at the end of the day and rakes in all the money and then pays the ghostwriters, uh, the bare minimum that he can get away with. So I think it's ridiculous that we're putting people like that up on a pedestal. Meanwhile, people that have literally written the soundtracks to our childhood, no one gives a crap about. Hey, junkie XL is a saint. Junkie XL. 
<laughs> I think Junkie XL worked with Hans Zimmer on like the Justice League score. Or oh, okay. I pulled that out of out of somewhere. It was just a name that I knew. <laughs> but case in point, I, I know random film composers' names, but you were mentioning some of the most iconic um music composers in video games, and it was like hearing for the first time. So uh definitely I I am glad to see this happening. Um I very much appreciate you bringing it to my attention because I would have totally missed this. So uh, thank you, Richard. It's definitely something I'll keep an eye out for sure. And um, yeah, absolutely. Um, something that is deserving. This all kind of happened like right around the same time as the Will Smith slap. So it's very easy to miss. Oh, was there a Will Smith slapping thing that happened? Well, maybe in an alternate timeline. <laughs> okay on that note before we get too far off into a, an alternate timeline um thank you richard again for for bringing that up um we are going to take a quick break um and then after the break we are going to jump into um the star wars lego star wars conversation um with silver from star wars thrifting stick with us Okay, so I am really excited because somehow I have put out four episodes of this podcast without talking about Star Wars. Not once. It's the most amazing thing to me at this point. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and fix that on this episode. And uh, Lego Star Wars just released last week and um, have had a chance to sit down and put a couple of hours into it. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to kind of share some impressions about the game, but I wanted to bring someone in that could uh, speak to the game as well and can also speak um, to just a general Star Wars fandom. And so I am super excited to have Silver joining the podcast today from the Star Wars Thrifting YouTube channel, Instagram, um, and also a co-host of Into the Garbage Shoot podcast. Silver, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Any chance that I can talk about Star Wars, meet new friends, talk about Lego Star Wars, because I'm obsessed with it right now, I'm all in. So thank you again for having me on. Of course, that's the thing about Star Wars fans, right? We're always, always willing and able to jump into any conversation, even tangentially related to Star Wars. It's pretty bad. I'll be like at work and then I'll just have a coworker just like lightly mention like, Oh yeah, that book of Boba uh, Boba Fett show is pretty cool, and then I will just go on a tangent and like be like, "Yes, but did you know?" And the next thing you know, I'm just like, you know, completely just overwhelming them with you know backstory or anything extra that I can add, or you know, a little fun fact about the actor, and then you know, they I completely lost them at that point. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have no idea what they've gotten themselves yeah, into. Just like, uh, yeah, I just like the show, lady. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely an experience a lot of Star Wars fans can relate to. Just because Star Wars is so popular, just you know, even at a casual level, that everyone is at least aware of what's going on especially you mentioned book of boba fett you know disney plus is super popular so people have seen the mandalorian obviously all of the uh, at the time baby yoda now obviously we know his name grogu um swept the nation so uh 
Star Wars is always popping off. And this past week um, added a new entry into the franchise in the form of Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Um, and so I know you've had a chance to pick it up and, and play it. And uh, yeah, I think you you are going to bring a, a welcome voice to this conversation because I um, as much as I would love to say I dove super deep into this game, I really haven't gotten that deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to share my impressions and hopefully between the two of us, um, we can definitely paint a good picture of what people can expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. But. Before then, I actually think it'd be a great idea um, for us to just kind of get into this conversation by maybe kind of explaining our fandom a little bit. So, you know, kind of what our experience with the franchise has been thus far. Um, Do you want to start us off and kind of just share a little bit about like how you got into Star Wars, maybe some of your favorite elements of it, things like that? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I got into Star Wars because I did not have a choice. Um, I have a huge family. Uh, my dad and my uncles were just big, big Star Wars fans. And I remember when the re-releases were coming out, um, I was I, I was a kid. I was in elementary school, but I just felt this excitement that, you know, I just felt like my uncles were excited. My dad was excited. They started collecting this power, the, the power of the force line with the, the green card back. And as a kid, you're just like, ooh, that's a toy. I want to play with it. And, you know, my uncles were like, no, this isn't a play. This is to collect. So I just fe- I just felt like it was very important. And I just felt this excitement. Um, also, just always seeing, um, I don't know, Star Wars just always playing at my house. Um, I just remember just seeing like, the VHS box set, like at my grandma's house. I just, these are just like visual, like memories that I've had, like really early on. Um, I wasn't into the star Wars prequels came out. I, (laughs) I was at the, I think I was at the perfect age when they came out. I might be like the targeted audience (laughs) for the, for these movies. I was, yeah, I was in fifth grade when a Phantom Menace came out and I just remember being just so blown away, just like thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, And being obsessed with like Darth Maul and even like at school, like everybody was talking about it. I just remember just like, even just the hype around this movie was just huge. And as a kid, it's, you know, you're very impressionable. You remember these things. So I remember even like the Taco Bell, like Happy Meal, like the like the big promotion regarding these movies, the Taco Bell, the Pizza Hut, all this. It was just like huge. And I just really remember that as a child Um, and just thinking like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And seeing it in the movie theater was amazing. And again, um, when Attack of the Clones came out, I was in middle school. And that like solidified my love for these mo- like for Star Wars, because I think I was a little bit older enough to be really excited for the next installment and just thinking like, wow, Jedi are so cool and just <laughs> loving everything about it. And then, of course, when Revenge of the Sith came out, I was already in high school. So that was like my first time that, you know, I went with my friends. We went to the midnight premiere. You know, we got really excited and just the hype around that um, just really just just I think this was just like my first I love all like I just have I have my love for fandoms. I have many fandoms that I just love, but um, Star Wars definitely was like my first 
way to express like my inner geekness where as a child when I was younger I just felt like oh was it inherited because my my family enjoyed it but I just felt like the Star Wars prequels were just very much mine and I was able to take ownership with that um and then of course like you know later on the Disney acquisition and you know knowing more Star Wars was coming I was excited I was an adult who had a job and I was like wow I couldn't spend money on buying things so it's groundbreaking uh, yeah (laughs) So it was just, uh, yeah, I, I just felt like it just it never really left me. Um, I was just, you know, again, I just feel like the time we're living in right now, the fact that I'm getting Star Wars content like nonstop is just completely just blows my mind. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I think I actually had a pretty similar experience to yours, which before I get into that, I just want to, you are incredibly brave for sharing on the record that Attack of the Clones solidified your Star Wars fandom. Um, so thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh, it did. And you know what, everyone, like I can, I will, I constantly defending the movie. I can have conversations about it. It's still one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, no, I have no shame. I will tell I that's my favorite movie. <laughs> but how do you feel about sand? Um, well, it's coarse, it's rough, it's irritating, and it gets everywhere. So it's <laughs> it's it's rough. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so I think that's a badge of, of true fandom for sure. <laughs> um yeah, no, I you talked about, you know, a lot of the collectibles, the toys. Um I, I was a kid when the prequels came out. I, I think my first like exposure to Star Wars was also VHS tapes. Like it, It's funny because I was thinking about this the other day, and it just seemed like everyone had that trilogy on VHS. And I know they did like a bunch of, you know, re-releases of it in, in various collections and things like that. Um, but I, I just remember like every single you know, household in my family had those three movies. And so I was a kid and first watched the original trilogy. um, And it got me so excited that when The Phantom Menace came to theaters, it was just like the biggest thing in the world. And as a kid, like the toys were such a huge thing. Um, I think they had like the the data chip line. Uh, I remember those like vividly and i really wish that and obviously i was a kid but you can never have the foresight for this but like i really wish i had at least one of those you know sticking around because it was just so cool i loved those little data chips and uh it it was cool to have at the time would be even cooler now um i also remember you talked about a lot of the tie-in promotions um, with restaurants and things like that Uh, i remember pepsi did a line of like special cans with the various characters on them. And so I remember my family like trying to collect all of the characters uh, Mm. from the Phantom Menace Pepsi cans as well. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it was, it was Star Wars mania in 1999 around the release of that movie. Um, I was rocking the, the Jar Jar Binks t-shirts all the time. Mm. Um, I, I jumped into it and yeah, I think I even, I even, watched a couple of those Ewok, those Ewok movies on VHS a couple of times. Uh, yeah, no, those Ewok ones are pretty. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, sometimes I find them like, okay, they're kind of silly to watch, but I enjoy them for what they are. But 
I right. actually just picked those VHS, uh, the Ewok Adventure VHS uh, tape recently while thrifting, and it's, very um, nice. Yeah, gotta gotta love it. <laughs> but 1999 yeah. was an insane time. I gotta say, like as far as like the merchandise goes and the rollout, I don't think I've seen anything go as hard as it did for you know for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it it's weird because like I was so young, but I can still remember like all of the tie-in promotions like that, you know, pretty clearly. So it was definitely everywhere at the time. Um I and then I got older, I got a new sense of appreciation for the original trilogy. Um I still I've always loved the prequels for what they are. I can acknowledge their flaws now that, you know, kind of refined my taste a little bit, but, you know, still always going to enjoy watching those. Um, and then kind of, yeah, same thing. Uh, the sequel series or sequel trilogy um, came out and I was fully on board for that because it had been so long since we had um, Star Wars movies in the theater. And so I was just so excited for Force Awakens and I, I loved Ray as a character and was excited to see her leading through all three movies. And um, again, you know, I as an adult, I've had more refined taste and more, you know, higher standards for what I'm looking for. And so there's mm -hmm. been flaws that I could pick at, but I still generally am positive on the series and uh, you know, it's exploded, uh, like you said, with with everything franchise, um, not franchise, uh, TV series. Um, between Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, they revamped all the novels and things like that. Uh, yeah. And obviously video games. Um, I think Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2 were the first two like big ones. But, you know, we've seen a lot since. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order was huge. Um, yes. And, and uh, now we are in what's essentially a remake slash sequel uh, in... Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Did you ever play the original? I did not play the original, but I've seen it. Um, you know, I go to a lot of flea markets and Goodwills and thrift stores. Um, that's all I like to try and find collectibles. But I always see that video game. Um, so I knew when this one was coming out, this is kind of more like a, okay, well, here's the saga because we're adding these three, um, the the sequel trilogy to the, to the story. Um, but I have not played it. I've seen it. Um, and I want to say, I think my younger cousin, um, he played a lot of the Lego Star Wars games. I think he probably owns almost every Lego Star Wars games that like had come out. Um, but yeah, no, never played it, but definitely familiar with it for sure. Yeah, they're, they're definitely classics. I, I played mm -hmm. the original one, which was the prequel trilogy, mm -hmm. um, start to finish. I absolutely loved that game. Um, I actually didn't play Lego Star Wars. Um, the original trilogy, more than just a couple missions for whatever reason. Um, never played the Clone Wars one, and I never played the Force Awakens. So um, the the complete saga, I played a good amount of. So that's probably the one I've played the most of, mm -hmm. um, aside from the original game. Um, and so that that's kind of where I'm coming at this from, as far as experience with Lego Star Wars. Um, but Right off the bat, I, I can say that this new release is just completely revamped beyond my expectations. Like, I, I thought it was going to be mostly like kind of a remaster um, where it was generally going to be kind of the same gameplay that we had in the complete saga. And 
it it blew me away um, with its visuals and just the mechanics of it being so different. Um, what were what was kind of your take when you first booted it up and got into it? It was so excited. Um, I've been waiting for this game for two years. <laughs> they pushed it back so many times. Um, that's the thing. I've never had anything to compare it to because I've never played any of the Star Wars Lego games. I think I was just really excited that there was a Star Wars game that for me, the thing about me and video games, I love watching other people play them. I'm not really good at them. Like, I don't, I love Jedi Fallen Order, but um, like Battlefront, Battlefront 2, even Squadrons, I bought all those games. I just really just was not able to get really, um, it didn't really just grab my attention as much, um, which is crazy to say because I know a lot of people enjoy those games. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I think the games that I really enjoy are almost like just made for like a younger audience, (laughs) Um, you know, because I just like those like, you know, sillier games like that. So I was excited. I was excited for this game. Um, The fact that it it got pushed back, um, I've been been waiting a long time for it. So again, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. So when I booted it up, I was just like, okay. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Um, I know that you can start from any point, like it's not from any episode, but you're able to either start from episode one, which is the beginning of the prequel trilogy. You're able to, or either if you wanted to start from force awakens, which is the beginning of the sequels, or if you want to start from a new hope, which is obviously the beginning of the trilogy. So you can kind of like pick which level you want to, or how you want to start, you know, your trilogy um and which order you want to do it which i thought was cool so i was basic and so you know what let me just go and run through episode one and you know start from there but i love it i love it so much i'm having a good time that's it's a funny thing because i love these movies i know these movies in the back like you know i can almost like recite them i just you know but i just love going through the story (laughs) in like the most funny silliest way because whether like you know lego just does a really good job because i love a lot of the lego like cartoons with star wars because they just i just feel like they know more about star wars than star wars does sometimes because the the way they they're able to like poke fun at the story a little bit and be silly with it it's just so just just so relaxing to play um you know, with like in a way where it's able to like poke it, like you know, even like the Lego, like the Christmas special that came out. Um, yeah, I just find those to just be a little bit more relaxing instead of like, and just like be silly and fun, um, and not have it and not have to be overwhelmed with like I gotta follow this video game because it's telling me a story, and I gotta know about you know I gotta pay attention because right. there's so much lore that I need to like you know look for, and you know that's. So, again, I love Jedi Fallen Order. I actually love the story so much, but I think I've been waiting for something just kind of silly like this and kind of to be able to play the entire Skywalker saga um, is quite enjoyable. So I'm blown away by like the graphics and uh, I'm enjoying the gameplay. Um, you know, I know that I'm going through... I'm kind of going through like the the whole storyline right now but i know you're able to kind of go and venture off because i know a lot of my friends are doing mm-hmm. that right now um which i can't wait to get into eventually but um 
this is I'm, I'm just having a fun time and i think because it's not so complicated um where i just find it very just enjoyable yeah yeah I, absolutely i and i i will just say there's app absolutely nothing wrong with with uh you know enjoying watching games more than playing especially i i've found as i've gotten older and my time has become you know i've had less time and thus it's become more valuable like it's hard to really get in deep into some of these games and you mentioned um jedi fallen order which was one i did play through um but there it is very lore heavy and so if you're a star wars fan you obviously want to soak that up as much as possible because mm-hmm. it's adding to the saga and um there there's a certain amount of pressure that comes with that right and um and even something like like battlefront or um squadrons which i had forgotten um when i was talking about these earlier like there's a competitiveness to those games that is just inherent with like multiplayer and so you know i tend to avoid multiplayer in general just because i i don't get a whole lot of you know the sense of accomplishment um is lacking for me like whereas in a single player game if i complete one chapter or if i finish the story like i feel rewarded like my time was worth something so i am totally with you there i think that's a totally reasonable um relationship with with video games in, in 2022 um i i i am also enjoying my experience with lego star wars so far um i think you absolutely you hit it on the head with just the the fun of it um they have that that lego sense of humor um that the original games had the the key difference between the original lego star wars games and this one is that it's fully voiced and just the impact of having uh fully voiced cutscenes and interactions <laughs> between these lego versions of characters it it just adds so much to it and it makes it so much fun um and so I'm I'm fully on board with you there. I think there's a lot of fun that just comes from watching the silliness unfold. And I think you made a really good point in saying that, you know, Lego knows what they can poke fun at and does it in just in such a good way. Um, and so that's been something that I've enjoyed so far as well. Uh, I will say I also I took the same path that you did and started with episode one. Um, I finished it i i don't think i quite finished it i did defeat maul and that was kind of where i'm at right now but i i've liked that you can kind of you know make the most of your experience and how you want to do it um where you can if you want to focus solely on the story like you can play through and it's not super difficult and you can get through an episode like pretty quickly or if you want to like you were saying kind of venture off and either just venture off with the characters of the story or you can go back in free play mode and unlock, you know, a whole bunch of other things, which was something in the original games as well. Um, have you done a lot of like the collecting and puzzle solving along the way? I did. I did because I when, when I got to Attack of the Clones, I was just so fascinated that I was able to play as Padme Amidala, which she just, you know, I just wish there was just more things to do with her i just feel like as far as um i don't know i just feel like she's just rarely like even like now with you know since you know disney bought out star wars i just feel like there hasn't been that much padme love 
And it bothers me because I love her so much. So uh, when Attack of the Clones level came on, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just play Padme Amidala and I'm just going to go and venture off Coruscant and I'm just going to complete all these puzzles just because I get to do that and I, you know, get to go at my own pace. So that brought me immense joy and I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> so I was yeah. able to kind of just do that and I was okay with it, you know? So um, I kind of took my time in Attack of the Clones because I was just like, oh, this is fun. I'm just going to venture off and, you know, um travel course on you know see whether puzzles and you know you i know you can collect you got to collect these like certain color lego parts and stuff and um kind of did that so i sp i spent my time and i realized oh i'm just gonna do this <laughs> so yeah uh, it's yeah it's it's fun that you get to have that option mm -hmm. or if you just want to the story you can do that too absolutely yeah i that's probably the thing that i've liked most about this game is it it feels like a like a big open world AAA game. Like we see a lot of um, something that also came out recently, something like Elden Ring even. Um, and yes, I did just compare Lego Star Wars to Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> only in the sense that it, it is, it feels vast and open and you can make your own experience, like whatever you want it to be. So, you know, if you want to make it bare bones and run through the story mode and kind of just have fun with those cutscenes along the way, you can totally do that. If you want to get lost, uh, you know, playing through Attack of the Clones, um, do you have, is it the Padme, uh, is it the character model with, like, the scratches? No, it's the one right in the beginning where she has that pilot, the N1 Naboo pilot uh, outfit. Oh, okay. When she first gets there and, like, um, yeah, so it's, you know, the but that's the beginning of Attack of the Clones where they land and her, you know, her decoy gets, you know, um, and then like, the story goes on from there. But yeah, no, she's over there in her little pilot outfit and she's just running around Coruscant, collecting, solving puzzles. And I just thought, wow, I'm just going to try and just complete this because this, you know, this seems fun. Again, my just simple joy of playing as Padme was for me just really exciting for me just because she's um, she's definitely yeah, well, she's one of my favorite characters and. Just feeling like I just haven't, we haven't gotten much from her recently as far as um, just pretty much anything, whether it's merchandise or acknowledgement, anything. Um, so I was able to just kind of enjoy. <laughs> and so um, yeah, that's, it's an interesting yeah. point uh, about like kind of Disney in particular turning their back on, on Padme, because I agree with you. I, I also love Padme. Um, I. I like I grew up watching that character um, and seeing her evolve, but being you know such a powerful presence. And I will say uh, we definitely stand Natalie Portman on this podcast and uh, going to be awesome seeing her as uh, as Thor in, in oh, Love and wow. Thunder. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting, especially because of that connection, obviously, like with Marvel Studios, like Disney. I'm sure Disney has her phone number. Uh, if they wanted to include Padme in a, in a project, they could absolutely make that happen. Um, so that's something that we could, you know, potentially look at down the line. Hopefully there, there's something that works out. Hey, you um, know what? I, I hope so. You know, there's a lot of fans who are, you know, I'm not the only one who feels that way. There's a lot of fans who do feel that way. Um, so it just, like you said, like she just, she had just such a strong, I mean, she was pretty much the third character in the entire prequel trilogy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like just 
she plays a huge part in like into the story and um yeah i mean as much as i you know i like i enjoy the sequel trilogies for what it is and you know i love all the characters that i introduced and all that stuff but um it's you know we didn't really get any mention of the prequels in the sequel trilogy maybe that's just kind of what uh, maybe Disney was just kind of, hey, you know, this is our, you know, we're just going to kind of avoid talking about this because, you know, fandom can get, you know, they just don't like what's, you know, what's in front of them. So I know there was a lot of backlash during the for the prequel trilogy. So maybe they just wanted to avoid it. But it just seemed kind of weird as far as the whole overconnecting story, like just the whole story, mm-hmm. um, you know, how you can't like you can't mention big parts from this other trilogy that happened so um yeah <laughs> i know I, mean, I don't want to go on a tangent but yeah i just again um i hope i mean i know there's we do have padme books that we, we just had a pad a third book of a padme trilogy that came out of books which um are really cool um but man and i think she's been about- in some comics too <laughs> yeah recently. Talk about a character who has a billion outfits and there's like not that many <laughs> not that many figures. <laughs> it's like you guys can make literally make a figure of each outfit. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So And it's Star Wars, like people will buy it. Like they're always gonna be collectors. <laughs> people will buy it. Yeah. So I slow I actually like recently we've been seeing a lot of like Padme like mentions and stuff. So I'm just like, you know what? Me I'm gonna hold on my hope that eventually we'll get some sort of you know something and like you said you know uh natalie portman is you know very much in a big marvel movie that's coming up and i hope you know we get something that'd be kind of cool but yeah it's it seems like it seems too simple at this point but but like you said i think disney star wars has largely leaned on the original trilogy and kind of working from there as a basis to make their projects. I mean, you look at, um, there's a lot of references to the original trilogy in the sequel trilogy, but even um, looking at Rogue One in the way it is pretty much an original trilogy movie. Um, And then with The Mandalorian is taking place kind of immediately after the fallout of uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, Like all of that, they're really jumping into... um, the Star Wars lore around the original trilogy, which is, I mean, it makes sense. It was definitely like the conservative approach to, to taking over this franchise. Um, but it, there's definitely some, some valuable areas of the prequels that they can mine and, and get some good value from. And I think Padme's story is definitely one that they um, could definitely find merit in. Yeah. And, you know, not to say that they don't, they're not completely ignoring the prequels, because, look, we have an Obi-Wan Kenobi show that's literally on its way out. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is, you know, something to look forward to. But until then, I'm enjoying the Star Wars Lego game because I get to be Padme at any time I want. So that's that is uh, <laughs> that's another huge plus for this yeah. game. And I have not gotten far enough to be able to fully enjoy this, but just the roster of characters is uh it's amazing and that includes like like just crazy bonus characters like you can find um password like you know codes to unlock characters for 
you mentioned like the Lego Star Wars Christmas special, like they have those Christmas special variants of the characters um, <laughs> you can unlock. Like it's it's just so much fun. Um, and in free play, you get to kind of interchange your party members so you can be running around as, you know, Darth Maul and Christmas special Chewbacca, uh, you know, yeah. and whoever else you want to throw in there. I had a friend who was Luminara and she was just cruising around Cloud City on a Razor Crest. Like, that just sounds like a great time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You, do, you know, you can pick like, again, like Luminara, a smaller, you know, less, you know, smaller character Jedi and riding the Razor Crest, on, you know, going to Cloud City. Like, that's just what that's, that's, I think that's what's really fun about the free play and how you can do so much. Mm-hmm. So I can't it's wait to literally, get into that. <laughs> it's literally like Star Wars Mad Libs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something we're both excited for as we play a little bit further into it. Um, I'm I'm like you, though, like I, I want to play through, you know, at least the full you know, prequel trilogy and then maybe do some free play stuff. Or I might just jump into the original trilogy at that point and keep it going. But you know, I, I've really enjoyed my time with it. I think we we talked about the humor. I think while I, I do appreciate the voice acting is in the game, um, it's it's not authentic. Like <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, Qui-Gon's voice has been driving me crazy the entire yeah. time. Same, same, same. Um, same. <laughs> and it's weird because some of them will be just like totally off the wall. Like they found someone who is available and some of them will actually be like spot on. So I noticed boss Nass and Yoda were super accurate, um, like believable at least maybe not totally accurate, but then yeah, Qui-Gon was like, just it's weird. And I understand Liam Neeson has kind of a, you know, a unique voice. You got to get that hint of Irish Uh, accent in there. Yeah. He does have a really unique voice and, um, you know who has a really good Lego uh Star Wars voice is actually Ray. I'm like blown away just like with Ray's uh the whoever the voice actor that does Ray's voice in the Lego Star Wars is um uh, for me like wow, it's pretty pretty spot on. Um so I haven't got to any of the obviously Ray levels, but you know, she's just they did so much, you know, when they were showing like the gameplay, the preview or like the commercials, they had the voice. I'm like, oh, it sounds like Ray a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree. Qui-Gon, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is this and, is. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> that voice actor is like it does a lot of work, too, because I recognize the voice. And maybe that's part of it is it's removing me even more so. Um, but it's just like, you know, hashtag not my Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly (laughs) so i silver any final thoughts about lego star wars before we i I think we can just kind of wrap up with some general star wars talk yeah you know what um honestly it's a fun game um if you're looking just for a good time to kind of come home and you know get lost and get silly with some star wars um i think this is a fun game and you know i i just i I've been hearing a lot of good uh, feedback. I feel like within the Star Wars community also, like I feel like it hasn't been as divisive recently because everyone's just having a good time with their Lego Star Wars game, um, you know, right now. Um, Literally everyone's sharing screenshots of the game and like the silly parts of, you know, how 
silly and fun it is on Twitter. So it's just been a really fun time and a very calm time during in the Star Wars fandom, which we don't get a lot of. Um, right. <laughs> so we're just uh, we're just vibing in the Star Wars Lego land right now. We're just having a good time. But, um, you know, again, I it's exactly what I hoped it would be something funny and silly. And, you know, it, it's a little it's a Star Wars game. So, again, it was just something just just fun. So, um, I mean, it's pretty much doing everything that I, you know, I hope it would do um but the whole uh free gameplay is just is something that's really just a big plus totally yeah i i i agree with everything you just said like it, it's a good vibe all around it does deliver on what it's selling which is just you know the star wars skywalker saga through just a fun lens and i appreciate that I, i'll also say you know technically uh i've been playing the ps5 version it, it looks amazing as amazing as you can make lego bricks look like it it looks that good and it also runs really well like the loading times are almost non-existent for me and despite it being just huge so i've really appreciated that about it if you're listening to this and you you've been on the fence um i don't think you'd go wrong picking up a copy uh, i think you're definitely gonna have a good time yeah same here awesome so uh, Star Wars, I think we kind of got into this a little bit in the Padme tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> what are maybe some some projects that you're looking forward to? Or maybe is there something that, that hasn't been announced, but you really think uh, you could get behind if, if Disney were to announce a new project? Let's see. I know the projects that I'm really looking forward to right now as far as live action is... Um, uh, Kenobi, the Kenobi show, and also Andor. I'm really looking forward for the show. I'm really looking forward to the Andor show. Um, I just want to get into like this episodic, like spy thriller espionage <laughs> of Star Wars. Um, I really enjoyed Rogue One. I really love the politics of Star Wars. Um, so I can't wait that I hopefully that show can like deliver some of that, that itch that I have. Obviously, Kenobi is something that I'm just really looking forward to. Obviously, Ewan McGregor as returning is just a huge plus. Um, mm -hmm. I think everyone's just really excited. Um, I am just nervous just because I just, I know that everyone's really anticipating it. Um, but, you know, when everyone's just really anticipating it, it may not, ha you know, just have this idea of your head of how it should go. And it may not have gone the way it goes that mm -hmm. people just get very vocal and upset about it um so i'm just really enjoying this time of the you know like you're just anticipating something and the excitement that we're all sharing um and you know again i think it's just being a star wars fan you just become a little jaded sometimes you're just like oh man i hope this goes well just so we're not <laughs> yep. and not everyone's fighting um you know and I yeah, so I'm just really enjoying that part of it, but I'm definitely looking forward uh, for those two shows. Um, I got really into Star Wars animation two years ago. Whenever Disney Plus, they you know got all the, I was able to catch up. But mm -hmm. I really love the Bad Batch, so I cannot wait for a Bad Batch season two. Um. I'm also as far as like I'm really into the High Republic books like 
the Star Wars, um, any like Star Wars High yes. Republic. I followed all like the stories, the comics. Um, I got completely bought in when they introduced it as Project Luminous. I was a hundred percent like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's start fresh. Give me a different timeline. Give me new characters. I love Jedi. Let's get into this. And I completely just have been bought in ever since. So I'm looking forward for this next phase that's coming. Um, but as far as more Star Wars, I'm looking forward in the future. Honestly, I think I just love Jedi and Sith. If I can just get more like stories with Jedi and Sith, <laughs> that's just really all I really want. Yeah. Um, I enjoy all Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. I love the Mandalorian, you know, the book of both that was fun. Um, but like for me, Star Wars, lightsabers, Jedi, Sith dark side light side force the force like that stuff just like really just it's true like, all of it yeah right you know right it's true <laughs> all of it yeah it's just like i that's just my just that's just some of my that's just my favorite type of star wars so um i know they have that acolyte show that's coming also this is falls in the the category that i guess i'm still looking forward to but oh yeah but yeah the acolyte's coming out and that's supposed to take place like Gosh, I want to say 20 years before Phantom Menace, but it has to be due. No, it's uh, they they market it as the end of the High Republic. So I'm mm, thinking okay. it has to do something like Dark Side. Um, well, yeah, I think that that was the vibe that I had gotten as well. But honestly, I I've forgotten about it. So um, yeah. I needed to hear you mention it to jog my memory. Yes, yeah, so I'm kind of looking for I say I just want more stories with that. Um you know, any, any more, any more, like, again, that has to do anything with, like, Jedi. Um, this gets me really excited. Um, but, yeah, again, I haven't been really, I'm just kind of blown away how much I actually like Star Wars animation. I kind of always brushed it off. But, again, I binged all the, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels when it was available on Disney+. Plus, and I'm completely just fascinated. So. I'm down with the animation shows too. So, I yeah, kinda, I, it kind of sounds like I like it all. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does sound like that, <laughs> which is totally fine. I because I think we're kind of on the same uh, wavelength here. Um, I'm definitely also in the camp of I love the you know the Force centric Jedi Sith stories. Um, I think that might just be a byproduct of growing up with the prequels. Um, I think people kind of generally have that feeling that are around our age that we're more exposed to that element of Star Wars as, as younger kids uh, versus like, um, you know, the the first wave of Star Wars fans who got the full, you know, rebellion, um, you know, gunfighting war strategy element of of the series, which, you know, has its merits. And I do you know, to, to credit that side of things. Like I love rogue one. Um, rogue one is, is one of my top three star Wars movies for sure. Um, and so I love that stuff too. It's hard to really, you know, pick on, on one element of the series one way or the other. Um, I think, uh, you know, just because we have the opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a random year, not random. We're going to make an educated guess on, on, episode 10 release date <laughs> so i'm gonna say uh 
I don't know, let's just say 2032. Um, give it some time to breathe, but it's not going to be quite as as long as, you know, the last gap um, because Disney can't help themselves. Uh, I also think Kenobi is is going to be super interesting. I am kind of bracing myself for the exact reason you shared. Like, it's definitely going to be divisive no matter how it turns out, um, because everything is where it, it's taking a beloved character in Star Wars. Um, I am also really glad that you mentioned uh, the High Republic series. Um, I The books is definitely an area that I have not gotten into, um, but I have heard really good things about those stories. And I do love just the idea of that setting um, in the Star Wars universe and, you know, having people running around, you know, at a time where Jedis were all over the place um, is super interesting to me. And so I, I would absolutely love to see that um, in a live action form would, would be really cool. And then I think also to tie into like the, the gaming side of things, um, I, I believe that a uh, Knights of the Old Republic remake was announced um, not that long ago. And so at some point that'll come out and I, I w- will absolutely pick that up and, and get really into that. I, I missed kind of the Knights of the Old Republic boat um, initially, and I've tried to pick it up a couple of times. It's just a little dated for me in the way that I like to play games. So I am looking forward to seeing what they end up doing with that story. Um, and seeing if they can tie it into any other projects, if they do a series that kind of, you know, runs parallel to it or involves some of those characters, I think would be really cool. Um, so de- obviously the best thing about Star Wars is there's always a story to be told somewhere down the line. Yeah, no, for sure. And I agree with you about the old Knights of the Old Republic. I've tried so I probably have reinstalled that game deleted that game so many times because i've tried to get into it and i I think i agree with you that it's dated so i completely missed out when um when it came out i mean what it didn't come out like in like 2000 it came out like in 2003 early 2000s yeah yeah Yeah, so it is dated but i hear i have a lot of friends who are really into it um and i've heard like the stories of you know, what was going on. And it sounds so cool. So I'm actually really looking forward to that game also. And I know earlier in the episode when we were discussing, I was like, yeah, I'd be able to have fun and not get really wrapped up in lore and all that. I know I was saying that, but a game like this, like this is something that I, I would be really excited for to really get into just because it is such a beloved game, beloved story, a lot of character, you know, a lot of characters that people love in star wars and it's just something that just a big area that i have not tapped into personally and gone into and the fact that they're re-releasing that or remaking that for a way you know in a way that we you know that it can obviously grab a hold of newer fans um that's just really exciting to me and that's cool that they do that you know because it is such a big part of fandom there's so many fans who love this game and i think it deserves a nice little remake you know give it you know re re up it a little bit absolutely and and it does provide the opportunity to canonize some of the the characters and some of the story elements because i I do expect they'll probably change things at least slightly um but to incorporate some of those elements into the new canon that's been established um will be really cool to see Yes, 100%. I agree. 
But I, sounds... completely, I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it. But yes, totally excited for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Silver, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I have to thank you again for being here. I, I really appreciate it. And for, you know, bringing up all of these amazing points. Um, I found myself agreeing with you pretty much through the entire conversation. So uh, great minds think alike is what they say. Uh, is is there anything that you uh, have been working on recently or anything on the horizon you're super excited about you'd like to share? I'm, I, well, not nothing. Um, I have a podcast and that I'm weekly. Um, me and my friend Kat, we uh, co-host every week at Into the Garbage Shoot. We have a fun series coming up. Um, we're doing a Muppets slash Star Wars Lollapalooza. So we're going to be talking Muppets and Star Wars. We have that fun, exciting series coming up. Um, I just, the only thing on my mind is Star Wars Celebration at the end of May. So I can't wait to head to Anaheim and, you know, beat friends and, you know, do all that. So that's kind of like the only thing that's on my horizon right now. And that's all I'm thinking about. But, um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm usually at, into the garbage shoot podcast and that's for me and my friend cat we love to talk about star wars weekly yeah and and i can personally attest that um really great podcast i i really enjoyed what i have listened to so far and and definitely you know found a new subscriber in me um so yeah we'll we'll definitely if you want to send us a link we'll throw it in the description so everyone can find it there um but yeah silver thank you so much for joining us um it was a pleasure and uh we'll connect later down the line and see if there's anything else we can talk about hey again thanks again for having me and yeah let me know i'm down to always talk about star wars down to talk about padme uh, <laughs> um, yes um this has actually been really fun um again love meeting new friends and just any chance I can talk about Star Wars, I'm I'm here for it. So yeah, feel free to invite me back on. I really appreciate that. We'll we'll have to pencil you in for the uh, the Padme project, um, <laughs> untitled Padme project uh, announce trailer. Uh, we'll we'll get you on for that one for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, so with the recent release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it makes perfect sense for us to revisit the concept of video game movies. And because people have been struggling to figure out the right recipe for a video game movie for so long, I thought it'd be fun to kind of take a look at what's been done, what works, and what doesn't work. And so overall, I want to come away from this conversation with sort of a the do's and don'ts of making a video game movie. And I knew the perfect person to invite into this conversation. Uh, you will recognize him from not only the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 review that just released on Monday, uh, but also from the Uncharted review and the earlier Uncharted discussion. Uh, Aaron Winston is making his return. Aaron, thank you so much for coming back and joining us. Oh yeah, happy to be here. Thank you, TJ, as always. Yeah, and I, I, I know that when we talked about the Uncharted series and we were kind of priming ourselves for that release, um, we had a hard time kind of putting a pin in that conversation. So um, we had talked about it. We knew that we were going to come back and revisit 
this um, topic. And so the time has come uh, pretty quickly, actually, since another video game movie uh, released pretty soon after Uncharted in Sonic. So um, how I want to go about this is I want to kind of, like I said, figure out the do's and don'ts of video game movies. And we're going to figure that out by looking at all of the live action uh, theatrical released movies uh, that have ever come out. And I, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to list these off Aaron. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me to memory lane. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm going to list every single English language theatrically released video game movie, starting with 1993's Super Mario Bros., Double Dragon, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, oh Wing Commander, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, House of the Dead, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Alone in the Dark, Doom, Blood Rain, Silent Hill, Dead or Alive, Resident Evil Extinction, Postal, Hitman, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, Far Cry, Max Payne, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, Tekken, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Resident Evil Afterlife, Resident Evil Retribution, Silent Hill Revelation, Need for Speed, Hitman Agent 47, Warcraft, Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil The Final Chapter, Tomb Raider, Rampage, Dead Trigger, Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog, Monster Hunter, Mortal Kombat, Werewolves Within, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, Uncharted, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Whew. <laughs> so that's quite the uh, the portfolio, quite the uh, the history book uh, lesson there of video game movies. Uh, were there any that I listed that you uh, forgot existed? Um, yes, I actually forgot that we walked out of the Max Payne movie and went and saw Saw 5. <laughs> that was probably a good move. Uh, Max Payne, was that with Mark Wahlberg? Yes. Video game movie veteran Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, that was one. Uh, I honestly forgot that the Doom movie with The Rock exists. 2005 The Rock, like hot off of the Scorpion King. Um, <laughs> uh, I really should revisit that one because that would probably be an interesting one to take a look at now. Yeah, go ahead and get get buzz for that one. I don't know how you, how you <laughs> would do it if you got you would have some smoke, if you have some drink. But Doom is one of those you you do not need to watch with sober, serious eyes. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And so there's probably listeners that heard me just run through that list, and and the same way we picked out a couple that were like, oh, I forgot that existed, or I forgot like how terrible that movie was. Um, I'm sure there are people that had the same thoughts. And at the, the spreadsheet that I'm looking at here, the Rotten Tomatoes score for these movies is just very bad. Um, fortunately, there is a little bit of an uptick in the recent years. Uh, I'm talking mostly since like the mid 2010s where people sort of kind of figured out uh, how to make a video game movie, but still not really. Um, we're still kind of, it's a big accomplishment to even hit like a 50% Rotten Tomatoes score at this point. So, uh, there, there's some 
improvements to be made in the formula. And that's what we're going to try and, and crack today. Aaron, are you ready to get into it? Oy. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, we love video games and we love video game <laughs> movies. Uh, it's very obvious from the tone in Aaron's voice. <laughs> so uh, here's here's how this is going to go. Um, I think it would be great for us to kind of share the do's and don'ts of video game movies into give an example of each. Um, so I think we both have at least a couple of examples to share. Uh, I'll start first and then we'll kind of trade off. Um, but I'll kick it off with uh, a do for a video game movie. I'm going to say do create a film that can stand on its own, but still respects the source material. So uh, basically what I mean by that is your movie should be self-sufficient enough that someone without any knowledge of the game that it's based off of can come in and watch it and still get something out of it, still feel like they are involved in it, they can follow the story, they can follow lore to a certain extent without like getting bogged down in all of this deep cut stuff. Um, no one should have to do homework coming into these movies uh, overall. Uh, wh- what do you think about that, Aaron? I completely agree. Um, and I think trying to go about it that way, um, and, and I think, I don't know, because I feel I see where a lot of these films over the, because I just feel like it's been, considering like when we were all born, mid-90s, all that, this feels like it's been a lifetime. <laughs> and it has. Mario Bros. came out in 93. So yeah, literally our whole lives, yeah, we just literally. so many of our favorites just butchered on screen. And uh, not all of them were that bad, though. Um, and I, but I, I feel I, I do see where these films try to give the audience what film is, you know, doing at the time. You know, the aesthetics, the music, the, the way they uh, film the characters, you know, the action sequences. You know, I do see where they, they're trying to give what Hollywood is doing, but just when it comes to incorporating the elements of the video game with that, it just falls apart. <laughs> and this, I guess, you know, intention for tangibility just completely misses the mark that it's trying to hit. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you touched on some good points there. I, I think it, it's kind of like they're trying to serve two masters, right? They're trying to make yeah. a, a movie that still hits on the latest trends um you know obviously can make money um is a big component in any movie that's being made and i think especially early on um in the 90s early 2000s like the the filmmakers that were making these movies just oftentimes didn't take them very seriously um as like films and so i think that's something where they kind of would phone it in a little bit or, or streamline it a little bit in a way that undercut what the final product is so that ultimately like fans of the game are disappointed. And then people that just went in with, with no knowledge whatsoever are disappointed because they're confused or they don't understand it. Um, And so you're disappointing people that way. But I think for, for this specific specific do, I think a good example is, is the, the two Sonic movies. Um, and we just talked about Sonic 2 in, in Monday's review episode. Um, but I think they both do a really good job of standing on their own. Um, you can go into that movie, that first movie, 
And every piece of lore that you need to know is going to be there for you. You're going to be able to pick up on it. And then the same thing with the second one. Um, you might need to have seen the first one, but that's you know how sequels work. But beyond that, you don't need to have played all these Sonic games. They're going to tell you things. Now, if you're a Sonic fan, there's a ton of Easter eggs sprinkled in. Richard, who is a big Sonic fan, um, mentioned all of this lore stuff in the review. And so you really can see in that example, those movies really hit on this one for sure. Um, I think the flip side of that, Aaron, is uh, a don't is is don't patronize or don't ignore the existing fan base. Um, And so what I mean by that is, you know, don't tailor the movie entirely to the people who are already a fan of this this specific game. Um, you need to still be able to make something that appeals to the average moviegoer to a certain extent. But at the same time, don't ignore your fan base because they are the ones that are going to really push this thing forward. And so if you can sprinkle in a little uh, reference here or there, it's going to go a long way. So I think an example I have of, of a movie that I actually just watched this uh, today in preparation for this conversation is Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, (laughs) So, Aaron, this one, you've seen it, right? Unfortunately. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So first off, I think they cast this movie with the best CW actors that you could cast. Um, So so good job to that casting director. Former Um, former Nickelodeon stars as well. (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, But really, my issue with that, my biggest issue with that movie is they they jammed Resident Evil one and two together, the stories. And then they just like fill it with just references and characters that people are going to know from playing those games. But that's it. There's no substance to the movie whatsoever um it's literally just if you are have played resident evil one and two um hey look at this it's that person or hey you know this person or this scene looks exactly like it looked in resident evil 2 remake but we're gonna put it in this movie for some reason uh like it already exists i don't need to see that um so that w- <laughs> that is one where they absolutely patronize their audience and i don't appreciate it i don't think it works and then on the other end of the spectrum, I know you have thoughts on this one. Uh, Super Mario Bros. just completely does its own thing that doesn't make any sense and does not tie to the source material whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I just brought up a memory. Um, I remember when I was a kid, and you know, we're flipping through the movie channels on the cable, and the Mario movie was on. And I remember <laughs> just five seconds of the film that I saw it just it was so weird um but I wasn't creeped out I was just completely not interested <laughs> and I turned <laughs> I, I, I turned the channel and that was that's actually the only I think I saw whoever they whatever thing they got to be Bowser in that movie I think I saw him like blow something up and drive off in some Mario Kart looking shit um and then I was like, okay, I'm good on this. Um, so that's yeah, I don't even I, remember I, much uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's yeah, clearly that's a 
movie that you just you just just play the the video game. But um, I but I would like to say this about Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, my friend that I went with uh, actually really liked that movie. Um, but I had to remember that for her, as someone who's not a fan of the series, you know, she was watching it as just a straight up horror film. So I can see where okay, minus that, this is a better horror film than a Resident Evil film. But it's still a Resident Evil film, and I did, as a huge fan of this series, I did feel alienated from being able to completely enjoy the, the stories of these characters because of just the way they were um, just all mashed together and just cut and edited and, 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 and all of that. Um, I, I just didn't care for it. Uh, so, yeah. And then, honestly, some of the character characterize character oh, words. Some of the characterizations were just completely ridiculous to a point where it felt a little disrespectful as a fan of the games. Um, yeah, I can go ahead and say this. Uh, it's not really spoiling anything. Um, I did hit up Ben after I watched it and it was like, yo, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, this is the biggest case of what they, they do to my boy if i ever saw it i mean you gotta remember ben had the leon jacket all right oh like, yeah yeah i was like mm -mm, don't do it don't do it if, if you're trying to keep your soul together people were so like upset about the casting and and i'm like whatever the casting is fine like but it man when i watched this i was like wow like the way they wrote him is just such i don't know it's it's just so blasphemous to that character yeah. and like i can't believe they even got that okayed by anyone who is part of capcom because like leon wow. is their poster boy and they made him into an absolute joke weird yeah so perplexing of a choice like i don't mind my characters having humor but still be the character, um, which right. is a huge do for me when it comes to video game movies. You know, like give us, give us, you know, the essence of these characters. I mean, I don't need them to be by the book what we've gotten in the games, but at least let me feel as if I'm watching these characters that I already know and love. Um, and Resident yeah, Evil did not hit that mark for me at all. Um, <laughs> And none of the Resident Evil films by Paul W.S. Anderson did either. I mean, none of the films really felt like Resident Evil. The only time I felt that in the entire seven films that he made was just the five seconds of Jill Valentine wrapping the sweater around her waist and then hitting the streets of Raccoon City shooting a couple zombies. That was the <laughs> only time I ever felt anything Resident Evil in those entire seven movies. So yeah, that's a huge do for me. And a lot of video game movies don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is a big one for sure. Um, on a little bit of a side note, but we're on that topic. You want to know what my favorite resident evil movie is? Okay. What's up? <laughs> resident evil village is my favorite resident evil movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen that one. I'll pick that up when it comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh no actually i do have that game um i haven't played it yet uh my ps4 wasn't really um up and running when i when it came out so i actually it's sitting in my uh game war so i should probably pull that out and enjoy it so good it is a departure from 
you know, the the zombie formula for the most part, but oh, so good. Uh, it was such a great like cinematic experience. Like that's why I said that it probably legitimately is my favorite cinematic experience in a Resident Evil game, um, which nice. is just sad for <laughs> for those movies. All yeah. eight of them. <laughs> uh, so I shifting gears a little bit. Another do that I have is investing in quality talent. And so the reverse side of that, because I kind of looked at, at these things as like a do with a don't. Um, don't just rely on star power alone, um, but invest in quality talent in your, you know, your director, your writers, um, and your um, on-screen talent. Because we've seen so many of these video game movies um, from that list I just rattled off, where seemingly the studio was like, hey, just put a, a recognizable face as the star. And that's pretty much all we need to do. Because you can even go back to like Street Fighter. Like they're like, let's put Jean Claude Van Damme in there. We're good. Uh, you know, I, I know you really, <laughs> you probably like Tomb Raider better than I do. Um, but Most people, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. they were just like, let's put Angelina in there and, and we're good. <laughs> I mean, when you look at a character from the time versus Angelina's look, I felt it was accurate. That was great casting. And her accent wasn't crap either. Yeah, I, I think you could have I done worse. I, I thought I was looking at Lara Croft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Because she, she did look, I mean, you know, from her, her lips. You know, from the time and and you know just the way she looked. I mean, I don't. Know, I feel that was a very accurate. Um, I thought that was a very accurate. Um, uh, Lara Croft. It's like how they had Bridget Wilson play Sonya in the '95 um, Mortal Kombat. And we, you know, I I don't know if she didn't did any other action films, but I think that's the only one I've seen her in. And I was like, no, this. This feels like Sonya. <laughs> the the, yeah, the attitude, yeah. the 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 her the her characterizations. Uh, I felt like I was really looking at her. even Johnny Cage. I was like, I was like, this looks very much like um, the character. Um, and I would even say Robin Shu does look like Mortal Kombat 3's Liu Kang. I will, I'll give him that definitely. And that was already released by the time the film had came out. So yeah, like I do think there are a lot of it's it's just weird because. These are some of the first video game movies we ever got. So, yeah, even though I knew, I saw the criticism, I saw the backlash that Ange Angelina Jolie got when the Tomb Raider films came out, especially The Cradle of Life, um, I was like, okay, but this is still kind of a new thing-ish, you know? Like, this can get better, hopefully. Like, my whole life, I've always envisioned just really epic, great video game movies that are also pleasing critics and audiences alike. but yeah yeah I, I really thought it was i thought maybe that's why i like lara croft tomb raider so much because i understood where folks may have had problems with it even when i was like seven years old and the movie came out or like six or whatever but i still i i saw where this is a step up like we're, we're this 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 is getting better um yeah yeah and really to, to clarify my point a little bit as well because i I, th I think you're right. I do think around when the first Tomb Raider came out was when you did start to see them being taken a little bit more seriously. Um, 
but the so the point I'm making is not that that was a bad casting, um, but it, it it's not enough to just cast a star, even if they fit the character. Um, you need to invest around them as well. So you need to have writers that are going to take it seriously and not write cheesy dialogue, um, because I think that's what happens in in those movies. And so it's not Angelina Jolie's fault that she's given ridiculous lines. Um, but e- even though she does, you know, exemplify that character, uh, there's only so much you can do with what what's written for you. Um, even the plot and everything too. So that's, that's more my point. And I think maybe like the more recent examples of this, um, I think the the Tomb Raider reboot, um, Alicia Vikander is extremely talented actress. Um, I I just felt like the characters kind of fell flat around her, and I thought she did actually a pretty good job of of kind of being that survivalist uh, reboot Lara Croft from from the reboot games. Yeah. Um, so I thought, and she's talented, and and she fit that well. It was just everything around her kind of crumbled and i think even the the more fitting example is michael fassbender uh in assassin's creed because (laughs) again super talented we know that he is a really great actor and can really do well when he's given you know good material to work from but that movie was so bad you i was sitting right next to you uh past the f out uh in the theater when we were watching that one because it was just the most boring uh, movie I, I had seen in a long time and did not grip me at all. So my, my point oh. there is just there's more to it than just finding that, you know, perfect balance of meets the character and is good casting and is also a known star, a known face that you can make money off of. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense because this year alone, we've seen that very point come to life. I will say Sonic 2 did this way better than Uncharted. I just, that's how I feel. Honestly, Uncharted's kind of come a little worse the more the time's passed and I've had more, I've been able to sit on it. I'm like, actually, yeah, that, yeah, again, as a video game movie, three out of five, but as a movie itself, that's eh, getting to two out of five for me. You know, like I just the more I just I was just like, no, like this is it was not really uncharted to me. But yet you had all this star power and, and other beautiful people alike. Um, but it just it that that just fell flat. Whereas I really do feel that Ben Schwartz really gives me, you know, from all the Sonic that I've been around growing up, never really immersed myself in it. Um, I'm very curious now and I will be looking into more of the games and um i might even see if there's any you know sonic shows or episodes i can find online or whatever but hearing sonic's voice uh throughout watching people play the adventure games and uh you know other more non-popular sonic games i feel he brings a, a he brings that character to the screen pretty well um i think I, I feel like i am you know watching sonic from the games you know having his own film um I don't know if you feel that way watching Sonic films, but I do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think um, Ben Schwartz really found like the essence of Sonic and, and rolled with it. And I think more, more so is that the writers understood it too. Um, 
like we talked about how there's so much lore and references, Easter eggs that's sprinkled into those movies. That's a byproduct of, you know, a writing staff that cares about this property and is willing to invest their time and creativity into, you know, putting together some, some quality material writers and directors, I'm sure as well. Um, and the cast is they're going to sprinkle in their own flavor and I'm sure they've researched their characters too. And so I think Sonic is, is a great example of, of that full combination. I think you mentioned uncharted. And I think what's interesting about uncharted is I actually have that as my example uh, because of, of, of doing a good job because Tom Holland is a star and obviously has the relationship with Sony. So that was easy casting for them. Uh, but I think he does a good job of showing the traits of Nathan Drake that we've seen in the Uncharted series. And that stood out to me from that movie. But I think what's interesting is you can look at Mark Wahlberg in the same movie and be like, bro, you are literally only here because you're Mark Wahlberg. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was interesting to me to see both examples in one movie, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, that that was one that stood out to me. Um, what about you? Do you have another? You have another do for us? Uh, as far as relating to this topic, or just a completely different do? It's another another do for the list. Another do for the list. Um, okay. Have you ever watched one of these bad video game movies and felt if I didn't already know this game, I would not want to go play it after watching that? If that was my intro to this world, this franchise, have you ever felt that? Yes. Uh, And (laughs) it's hard because like there's, I guess for me, maybe I haven't felt that specifically, but there have been games, uh, movies made about games that I have not played yet and have had interest in playing. Um, But then I see the movie and it like kills that interest. So not exactly what you're saying, but along the same lines. I'm thinking of um, Hitman. I'm thinking of Max Payne. Like these yes. games that by all accounts of people who have played the games have enjoyed them. There's a, there's a lot of really great things there. But, you know, just seeing this uh, secondary product that emerges from um, from that property just kills my interest. And, and so that's like. I think that's a major um, blemish on on those movies' uh, resumes there, that it makes you less interested in the game. Was there one that you had in mind? Yeah, yeah, because the do pretty much, and why I asked the question is, you know, y'all, remember to make me become interested in this franchise? <laughs> you know, make me want to go play the games, you know, and, and, and which makes the studio say, hey, let's do another film because we see an increase in sonic sales right now because the movie came out and it's popular and people are curious about it um you know, remember that that is part of the whole you know a conglomeration of of media products you know you have a franchise and you can create video games and music albums soundtracks and films and tv shows and whatnot and comics books all of that um and so i think a lot of like so basically <laughs> This is when I'm going to pull out the uh, one video game movie that I was always kind of curious about. And I finally decided to just let myself watch it since you decided to watch Resident Evil to prep for this conversation. 
conversation and I watched The House of the Dead. Yes. Oh my gosh. I sat through that movie. Wow. <laughs> Aaron, I'm looking at it right now. That movie has a 3% Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> oh me. I'm like <laughs> I remember seeing trailers for the film, like watching WWE and shit when I was a kid. And I remember, the, and I forgot until I, this part until I watched the film. There's this part where this zombie like throws an axe towards a girl and she totally does this matrix jump just straight up into the air, not out of the way of the axe, but she just randomly jumps into the air and it's this huge slow-mo zoom in wrap around the gun she pulls the shotgun you see the slow-mo of the bullet coming out oh this film overplayed the slow-mo bullet sequences this movie wanted to be george romero's matrix so damn badly and it, it <laughs> was it was i was like wow there was literally a line towards the beginning beginning of the film where the characters didn't understand something or they had a moment of uh it was this weird thing where um basically there's a word in spanish and some this this, this random captain's aide for this book that they're going to go on to go to the stupid island where this stupid film happens um he goes yeah it means that in spanish or do you not speak mexican i was like I don't know. 2003 was, was a weird time. <laughs> that was exactly my thought process. I was like, look, as much as I want to say that was a joke, the early 2000s was full of, of morons that were, were like that. So, and in I, horror I, movies, too. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, that was yeah. pretty common, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, is, it is everything. Um, it's in the main character. Did you ever watch Final? destination two did i ever watch final De come on i know that's that was a great a movie <laughs> i know that's a classic from our time yeah the dude that totally got it from the uh barbed wire fence plays the lead role in house of the it Dead. it is that and guy yeah okay and I, was just like, I was just I looking at the cast i think his name was james cherry or something like that uh that jonathan name? cherry jonathan yep. cherry yes yeah, I, yeah, he looked familiar, but I didn't put that together. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, man, dude, they got you doing this one. I'm so happy that in the same year you have Final Destination 2. Like, at least you, I'm sure you made your money somewhere in 2003. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, Lord Jesus. But, yeah, it's just like there was absolutely no elements of the absolute fun you have when you go to a house of the dead machine i mean you can even go to that one of those machines now as an adult and still have the same time you would have as a kid and there's just absolutely none of that in the film um and it's very sad because i did watch it on dvd and there's a dvd insert that um that it's a note from director <laughs> oh and it's just expressing how excited he was. He said, when I first encountered the machine back in 1994, I knew this could make one hell of a movie. And it's like, oh, man, this was a passion <laughs> project for you, bro. Like, man, just, just shows how much, how many crosses pe films and video games have laid on to at least give us the decency of Uncharted and the Sonic movies. Um, but right. yeah, I, I, games got it. Y'all got to make us 
you know, remember the fun that the games give us. I do think the very first Mortal Kombat film has probably done one of the best jobs of this that I still feel, I totally feel the essence of 90s Mortal Kombat and that first film, um, the cinematography, the music cues, um, the character interactions were pretty much, I mean, I felt Johnny Cage was how I would have envisioned Johnny Cage by, by playing the games and doing his fatalities and stuff like that. Um, so I, I think that's a good do for a film that you watch it and then you go, oh, I want to play a video game, you know? Honorable mention, because I haven't seen it and I've, it's been recommended to me so many times and, and I can infer that I will still like it. Um, I can imagine Detective Pikachu would make me want to play Pokemon after watching it. Detective Pikachu is good. I, yeah. I had a good time with that one. And I think that's interesting because Pokemon is, it's, I don't know, it's because it's, it's a universe that people can understand, right? Because they're essentially pets. Uh, and so realistically, you're just like populating the world with, you know, nice creatures. Um, and the, I guess the storyline in that movie is that something is affecting them and making them uh, aggressive. And so they're not nice anymore, but it's, you're not like making a big leap to understand, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that works uh, in Detective Pikachu for sure. Um, so I want to just kind of recap where we landed here. And then I want to spring something on you that I think is a fun question, fun exercise for us to wrap up with, but right. kind of where we landed with our, our do and, and don't list. Um, so do uh, create a film that can stand on its own, but respects the source material. Uh, do be the character. Um, really fulfill what the original character stands for. Um, invoke those traits on screen, all of that. Um, do invest in quality talent uh, was the other one there. And then I think that was it for our, for our dues. And then kind of the, the flip side, our don'ts. Um, don't patronize or ignore the existing fan base. Um, don't phone in the performance. Uh, and uh, don't rely on star power alone. Um, was kind of like the very, very basic. I can't imagine we have solved this for anyone. I'm sure these are things people are trying to do um, to certain varying degrees. Um, but that's kind of like the very bare essence for what you need to understand to like have a shot at making a good movie. Uh, that at least that's what I think. What do you think, Aaron? No, that that that's that's a pretty that's a pretty solid um, way to look at it because I mean, really, we all see in these films where people try. We 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 know that no one makes a video game movie for no reason. Like if anything, and that it's kind of that's the sad, heartbreaking part of the you know thirty years we've gotten of just not good. <laughs> video game movies because um you know um more than i feel you have to love these things you know no one's i'm not saying hollywood execs aren't looking at what video games are popular i mean especially now i know they are all up in that but in the 90s and 2000s it really feels as if someone or feels as if yeah um someone it, you had to go pitch that you had to really want that. You had to envision it. You had to really, you know, water that seed in you and let it grow. So the way that they just haven't worked out, 
things. Like, I, I just feel like you're watching a lot of people who probably did envision a much better end product um, than what, that what actually, you know, was, was created. Of course, I'm not going to say that doesn't excuse the level of talent from the filmmaker. Like, a talented filmmaker is a talented filmmaker, regardless of the genre or the source material or whatever. But, you know, still, I, I see the passion. I see the intention of what they try to do with these films um i think it's just when it comes to adding a team to it and when you have so much of a team that probably more often than not is so busy always making movies that they're not playing video games so they're not very aware of what they're doing they're kind of just going with the flow or just kind of adding in things that they feel would be cool because this is what's popular like for example i'll never forget when I saw the announcement poster and advertisement for the Dead or Alive movie back in the late 2000s, and I could not help but look at it and just immediately write it off. I never even watched that movie. I'm like, who the hell played Dead or Alive and has a Kill Bill fetish and made this shit? Like, what <laughs> the hell is, is this chicks with swords, chicks in bikinis with swords crap? Like, they didn't even have bikinis. That actually would have been more dead or alive accurate, but like, like they no, it it just looked dumb, and it looked very Americanized and 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 useless. And I never watched it, and I'm sure if you look at it, the Rotten Tomato score is probably like three percent on that motherfucker. But um, I can just infer. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, you know, please hold thirty three percent actually. Wow, wow, that's probably yeah. higher than Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life. Uh, it is twenty four percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will always. You know, I think at this point, I'm gonna die feeling like there's parts of the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films that are overlooked. Um, because I, I'm just like, okay, but maybe it's because you have video game films like House of the Dead. Yeah, that makes Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life look like Coda that has won an Oscar. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Um. So there are some, a lot of these have their merits. It's just that it gets bogged down by so many flaws that it's hard to really dig through and find it. Um, But I I think a good way for us to end this conversation is with a little bit of optimism. Um, So I have a list here of, of move video game movies that have been announced as in development in some stage of development. I'm going to run through them real quick. and. Just gut instinct of the list. Um, let me know which one you would be the most optimistic for. How does that sound? Cool. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure there's some announcements that I am unaware of. So there'll be nice surprises. Yeah, yeah. I uh, actually wasn't totally up to date on this list either. So uh, here it goes. Uh, TBA on any kind of release date for all of these. But they are Borderlands, Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> Gears of War, Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, Just Cause, Ooh. Just Dance, <laughs> Minecraft, Metal Gear Solid, yeah. uh, Mortal Kombat 2, mm. Portal, Rabbids, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which I'm going to actually rule that one out for the sake of this exercise, <laughs> uh, Space Invaders. <laughs> Oh, wow. Saints Row and okay. Yakuza. Oh, okay. All right. 
So Sega is doing is 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 comfortable with doing more of their properties. I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, they've they so far they've been the best. Um, and we all know we have Mario coming at the end of this year. Um, so we'll see if Nintendo, you know, feels the the okay to to do more of their um, you know, give us a kick ass Kirby movie in a couple of years, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, I want Mario to be good. Not because I, I want more Chris Pratt, but because I want more Nintendo products and I don't want them to pull their IP for decades like they did the first time. Uh, so let's hope that one's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Um, um, but we're also getting a lot of video game shows, aren't we? Like Tomb Raider having an animated series on Netflix. Am I correct on that? There's a bunch of animated projects. Um, yeah. There's... TV series, The Last of Us is in development. Um, uh, Halo is running right now. Yeah, um, that yet. you're not missing too much, <laughs> except okay. for Master Chief's ass, I guess. In the last episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know All they're right. getting crazy. I'll, I'll get uh, to that when I get to it. No, <laughs> not going to be in a rush for that. <laughs> I would say, aside from the sequels, because I am excited and will definitely watch Mortal Kombat Two and Sonic Three. Aside from those, I would probably be most interested in. Oh, man, I'm curious to see what they would do with Metal Gear Solid, because I'm pretty sure Oscar Isaac um, is tapped to play Snake. I heard that, too. And, you know, I think I have something with Oscar Isaac I need to work through. So perhaps Moon Knight could do it for me. I haven't hated his films at all. But there's just something I'm not like. I'm gonna be real with you, bro. <laughs> this is gonna be insane. I've always in my head casted Snake uh, with a style of. I don't know why. <laughs> I've just been like, I feel like he's an actor who just at this, especially at this point, could just really play up any circumstances that he's given, and Snake just gets in these. You know very t- intense situations and i just always i'm like i wonder what shia labeouf would do with that character you know grow a grow a nice ponytail i feel he kind of already has that <laughs> rooting you know attitude that snake has but yeah yeah so when they said oscar isaac i'm like oh happy star wars guy i was like okay all right not saying the dude can't he doesn't have range he definitely does but yeah yeah so but, yeah, um, for his range, Moon Knight's been good so far. Um, Annihilation, I think, shows a really good, like, darker, intense side of him as well. Um, but yeah, I'm actually, I would be on board with Shia LaBeouf. I, I'm not even going to pretend like that wouldn't be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is who I, who I always thought if I could cast Snake for a film if I was in that position. Um, <laughs> who knows if he even, I have to look into him. Is he even acting? Yeah, yeah. Done something recently. Oh, I'm sure he, I think I saw him. he does a lot of indie stuff. Um, he's yeah. done his own like directing and his own projects and things like that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think um, I think there's there's been a general upswing, and I think we're starting to see some better movies. I think the other thing is is video games as an art form is is so young, so they are now starting to be taken seriously not only as art yes. and as like stories, but also as you know profitable and so we're gonna see more of them we have been seeing a ton of them and and hopefully we'll start to see a higher quality 
Yeah, it's, it's but crazy. Aaron, um, go ahead. Oh, you're good. I mean, this is this is the industry that makes more than any other than all the other media outlets, sports included, combined. You know, when you add film, music, television, sports, comics, you combine all of our main you know uh, media outlets. Video games still outperform all when it comes to profits and sales. So it is it is crazy to see comics just and i understand it's a different type of a medium but comic movies have just grown just tremendously since we were kids um and was already you know really trying in the 2000s anyway with like spider-man 2 and batman begins and all that but um yeah it's it, it it's it was it's really good to see that they are starting to take that upswing you know with the detective pikachu getting a lot of good reception and then Uncharted not being completely crap, in my opinion. Um, and then the Sonic movies have both been solid, in my opinion. Uh, probably the most solid video game movies that we've gotten, I would say, are the Sonic movies. Um, just because of how, you know, not, not to diss Sonic, but the scale really ain't that high right now. <laughs> it's not. Right. Um, so for such, an, for such a lucrative industry, I want to see more respect respect given to the franchises that um inhabit it and i think we'll be all right uh borderlands i will call out as something that okay let's see what they do with that 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 has the potential to be something rather interesting uh, there has been interesting casting with that one too i forgot like i'm pretty sure kevin hart is in some role um is it Kate blanchett like i i don't know i remember seeing casting news about it mm. nice 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 <laughs> so we'll we'll keep an eye on the horizon uh no pun intended um <laughs> but aaron thank you so much for for coming back to to have this conversation with me i really appreciate it i uh respect and admire your viewpoint on pretty much anything having to do with movies and and uh, with games as well so it's a great topic for us to to cover together um is there anything that you uh would want to plug before we get going here sure sure first very heart heartwarming to hear you say all that I, I thank you uh nice to know that my film and game intellect is respected uh but uh yeah once again i will drop up uh the link to tj of uh that short film that i did in case uh, you didn't catch me on the last uh podcast that i did with you um and i'll also send a link to well the quality isn't that good but <laughs> just something else i do um i for the last, last year have gotten deep into choir i've always loved choral music uh, i can blame organ of time and majora's mass soundtracks for that um <laughs> i know I, I love epic cathedral filling songs um so you know I'm, i've definitely been into that um, i have a pretty dope concert coming up um our group is going to have a pretty good selection of songs that we are going to be presenting um, with the overall theme um, of peace. So um, we, I'll, I'll send out the link for that. The quality that the college has, for some reason, it ain't that good. But um, I will probably uh, see what YouTube channel we're going to put our semester recording on. Uh, that's going to be high quality. We'll be like in a church, you know, with cameras and, and audio, we're going to have all that. And we're going to, you know, give ourselves the respect we deserve for our, our hard work. Um, but yeah, so you have, you know, a couple different modes you can watch Aaron 
and you can watch me slap the shit out of every type of person imaginable or you can watch me sing songs <laughs> in greek about crucifixion i'm that's 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 who i am so ah uh, yes the two genders <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Thank so. you so much, Aaron. Yeah, we'll definitely um, we'll get those links down in the description uh, so everyone can check that stuff out. Um, I've not seen uh, your music performances either, so I'm looking forward to, to checking that out. Um, but thank you again for for joining us. And uh, we'll we'll obviously uh, have you on again sometime soon. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. All right, so that is our video game movie conversation with Aaron, and that's our episode for today. I want to uh, thank Richard for, for helping us out with the audio editing. Everything on the audio side, Richard handles um, just does a great job every time. So if you are ever in need of some audio expertise, definitely check out his website. We'll have the link in the description. I want to thank Silver from Star Wars Thrifting as well. Um, you can find her information and where to see more of what she's done in the description down below. And then Aaron, I want to thank him again for appearing and making a return appearance. Um, information about his pro projects will be in the description as well. We've got you taken care of with all those links down there. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to hit on a couple of of things that we did a uh, review episode of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 that released this past Monday. If you missed it, definitely go back and check that out. It was a great conversation with both Richard and Aaron. Um, really deep Sonic cuts as well. So if you're a Sonic fan, um, you might learn something still because I learned a lot just being a part of that conversation. Um, and then I want to tease something that is a ways away, but we're kind of in development, making some moves. Uh, if you are not subscribed to the Waiting in the Sky YouTube channel, you may want to do so because we are uh, working on some plans to get a, some video content put together. Um, it's not going to be a whole lot. It's not going to be happening all the time, but we definitely do have some plans in the works. So I'm super excited especially if you are a fan of RPGs, if you are a fan of RPGs where you collect creatures, uh, you may be particularly interested in what we're cooking up. So definitely subscribe on YouTube and keep an eye out for updates on that project. And follow us, subscribe, rate, review, all of that fun stuff. But anything you need to check out is gonna be in the description. But that's it. Episode 205 of Waiting in the Sky. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.